Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society. Welcome to the Living Social Justice podcast. And in this series, we're talking about land. It's a complex issue, and we realize that our history impacts us today. It might seem like an obvious statement, but often when we read about laws and acts that were passed so long ago, we may forget how it impacts on people, their families, and the choices that they make. And so today's podcast is learning somebody's story, listening and engaging and exploring it. Uh, And we know that every story is unique. Every person, every family, every situation is unique. So we're not trying to take one story and say every person's story is exactly the same as this one. Uh, So we encourage you to lean in and listen and explore. And who knows what you will learn about this particular family and what you may learn and explore with other families that you may know. So today in the studio, we have Shanae Kleinsmith with us. Welcome to you. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. I've so enjoyed getting to know you better, hearing your story. We've had a few conversations, but uh, our listeners don't yet know you. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what keeps you busy during the week? Sure. So um, I am a mother of three very young kids, um, all under the age of four. Um, I've got a little boy who's the oldest and two little girls um, who are three and now one. And I am married to Nathan. We've been married for, I think, almost six years this wow, year. Great. Um, it's been very exciting. We've been together for almost a decade, if not longer. It took a very long time to propose. <laughs> um, and yeah, I work part-time in human resources for Common Ground. And during the afternoons, I've got my kids home with me. So that's full in itself, um, yes. and they keep me quite busy too. But I love what I do, and uh, I love that I get to do, be both mother to them as well as have um, my work too. That's fantastic. I mean, three young children, a husband, and a job, it's a lot to balance, right? Yes. So I'm so <laughs> grateful that you've uh, given us so much of your time to share your story. Thank okay. you. But Anna, since we started talking about this a few weeks yes. ago, um, You've been exploring some of your family's history. How's that been? Yes. So after the last time we spoke, um, I realized that my story is quite messy and it is disjointed and there are gaps in the story. And I just wanted to know more. And I think the story is not finished. We're still moving together as a family, trying to figure out um, and discover new realities and fill the blanks where we can. And... um, Yeah, after this, I did a bit of trying to fact check some of the things that um, we discussed in our last meeting and went back to my um, mom as well as my dad and asked him some more questions. Mm. And I think out of asking them those questions, I've got more questions and more that I want to know and find out. Um, And so the story is not finished. Mm. It's incomplete. um, And... I don't know that it ever will be finished or complete, Mm. Um, but yeah, on a journey of discovery. That's fantastic. Well, how about you start part of your story, your your grandparents and your parents and even your great-grandparents. You know, we we inherit a whole lot of our story from our relatives and our grandparents and so on. So how about you share with us a little bit about what you've discovered about your family history? Yeah, so our family history, there are two sides, my mom's side and my dad's side. 
um, I'm going to start with my dad's side of the family. I know a lot more about um, that. So my great-grandparents originated or um, were living in Cirrus um, before they were then relocated to Weinberg mm-hmm. um, when past laws and things came into effect or just before then. Um, my grandfather was a German man. Um, the heritage of my grandmother, my great-grandmother, sorry, um, is not as known um, and that's something that I'm still trying to figure out and discover sure. of what her, her heritage actually is. Um, but yeah, they had, my grandmother grew up on the farm in Sirius and they were eventually then relocated to Weinberg. Um, wow. My great grandfather was part of um, the army and fought in the war and um, as part of the Cape Corps. Mm. And when he came back from the Cape a lot in South Africa had changed and the reality was that they were then asked to leave Sirius, leave the farm that they were on. Um, my dad has told me that the part of Sirius that, that they were living on was in Ebenezer mm. series. Um, but now there is no farm. Wow. Um, we, we don't know exactly where the farm was located. All we know is that my grandmother grew up on a fruit farm yes. in series and they were moved in, um, yeah, and were moved to, to Weinberg. Wow. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear those stories. It feels like such a long time ago. Yes. But, uh, you know, you, part of those stories and part of the story of our, our country or the past laws, etc., that were passed, um, meant that you lived in different parts of yes, Cape Town right. as you yeah. grew up. So tell us about those moves and what was your experience like growing up? Yeah. So, as you said, I've lived in many different parts of Cape Town. Um, my parents got married quite young. They got married at 19 and 21 and at that time this was i think this was around 1986 mm. i think this was um they bought a home in Stramfontein, which was then a new development of cape town um, mm. specifically for colored people um, and they bought their first home there mm. um, i was born there and i think spent the first two years of my life in Stramfontein. Mm-hmm. Um, then we moved to Ottery, but at the time of the move, I think this was uh, this was probably this was before the nineties. Mm. Um, Ottery was still a white or considered a white area, mm. um, and my father had to, my mom and my dad had to get a permit in order for us as a colored family to live in a white area Um, at the time the road in which they chose to live the estate agent that they dealt with um, had to get written permission from all of the neighbors surrounding us in order to say that they were fine with the fact that a colored family was moving into their road um the diversity of that road was such that they said all of the neighbors agreed and said they would be happy to 
have a colored family living there. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, my father mentioned that there were people from other countries living in that yes. road as well. Um, I don't know what countries those were, but it added to the diversity of the road and probably the rights for us to, or the signing off on the permit mm, for mm. us. Um, and we lived in, in Ottery until I think my mother was pregnant with my sister. Yes. And then we moved to Deep River post-1990. So this is probably 1993 that we moved to Deep River. Um, at this stage, the government was changing, um, loss was happening, um, and we moved into a new development in Deep River. My mom was pregnant with my sister, um, and we lived there for quite a f number of years um, before we moved to and settled as a family um, in Southfield. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about your parents and how brave they were to move yes. into an area where perhaps they weren't welcome uh, yeah. and just even putting themselves out there to say, I need to get a permit. I can't, I can't really comprehend what that must be like to move yes. into a neighborhood and have to get permission from the neighbors. Yeah. Um, so why did your mom and dad kind of step out like that? Why yes. did they move? What was, what was the heart of their reasoning behind that? Yeah, so for my dad and having touched on this and spoken to him about it and re-spoken to him about it he's always said and reiterated to both myself and my sister that he wanted the best for myself and my sister sure. he wanted us to live in an area where we didn't have to walk out of our front door and see gangsterism on our doorstep mm. where we could feel safe and mm. um, where he could feel safe to know that should he need to go away to work for a long period of time, my mom, my sister, and I would be okay. Wow. Um, and that's what it meant for us to move from Stramfontein into Ottery, into Deep River, and then settled in Southfield. Mm. It also meant that we had better access to education opportunities. Mm. Um, moving into Deep River meant that we had access to then formal former model c schools yes. um what it also meant for me though is that i went to schools where the classroom dynamic was predominantly white mm. so that impacted quite mm. a bit for me growing up but overall from my dad's side it was and and i'm sure my mom's side too was wanting the best yes. for his kids yeah. and doing whatever it took to make sure that we had the best possible um, way of growing up. Yeah. And I think that's what every parent wants. Yes. I want that for my kids too, mm, to mm. be able to give them the best possible opportunity. Yeah. Um, and access to opportunity as well. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned the educational opportunities that you yes. had. And, and at that time and in, in, in that kind of stage of South Africa's history, I, I can imagine that those schools weren't very integrated yeah. what impact did that have on you in your school going years yeah so i i only ever went to three schools mm -hmm. um i was quite lucky that i didn't have to move around um with schooling um but specifically in the beginning of it um, i went to a um a play school first and then mm. i went on to primary school and 
in both the primary school as well as the play school, I was the minority mm. in the classroom in terms of being a classified colored person mm. in the classroom. The classroom diversity was not there. Mm. Um, it meant that as a child growing up, um, I felt quite displaced mm. in a sense that, and also not always, or seemingly to me, not always treated the same as the other kids in my class and not always understanding why that was. Mm. Um, and now growing up and reflecting back on it, um, it could have been that this was not the normal for the teachers in that environment sure. to have a colored child in a class. I mm. wasn't the only colored child in the mm. classroom, um, but I was one of very few. Yes. Um, and so that made it quite difficult. Mm. Um, it also, for me, in parts made me question my identity sure. um, in a sense. I was, and growing up in those schools, um, in primary school at least, it was, I wasn't white enough mm. for my white friends. Mm. But I also wasn't colored enough sure. for my colored friends because yes. I didn't always grow up in specifically colored areas, which impacts your entire mm. or impacts the way you speak. Necessarily, it impacts the way you perceive or perceived. Yeah. Um, and so that's confusing when mm. you're growing up. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's. There's so many layers to this. Yes. There's so many layers to the conversation that we can be talking about different houses of bricks and cement yeah. and being in different parts of the city. But when it really comes down to it, it comes down to identity and yes. finding a, a place of belonging and finding yeah, a sense of who is. you are. Um, and for our listeners, it's uh, one of the big ideas around this podcast series is that we realize that the, when we talk about land, it isn't merely merely about square meterage and it isn't merely yes. about farmland. And yes, that's important. We need to keep talking about it. It's also about people and families and yes. the impact that our past has and echoes into our, our present day realities. Yeah. Um, you shared a little bit about your own story. Yes. Um, how, how did the rest of the family, you know, direct close family and extended family, tell us a little bit about yeah. that side of the family and their, and their journey. Yeah. So... This is complicated mm. for for our family history um, because for some of my family, choices needed to be made when past laws came into place and yes. when the city was intentionally divided by race and by race. Mm. Um, in that, because our family history is not cut and dry, some of my family are lighter skinned mm. some of my family are darker skinned and so what that meant was for for family members is that a choice needed to be made between whether you are white sure. or whether you would be colored mm. in some nuclear families within my family the reality is is that not all of them could be classified as white wow and so some of them had to make a choice. Do we divide our family? Do we separate our family? 
or do we stay together as a family? Mm. And in some cases, the choice is made that as a family, we would live in a colored community and be classified as colored. Mm. And in others, it meant that decisions were made where the family was split and separated. Mm. Some white and some colored. And that divide was broken. Um, or the togetherness was broken. Yes. Um, and what that meant was is that some of my family had to meet in secret. They wow. couldn't meet all the time. Or they couldn't speak about their family on the white side of the border in mm. Cape Town for fear of if they spoke about their family on the white side of the border, that family would then be moved relocated into the colored areas yes. and reclassified as colored wow. and so to not break their opportunity of betterment of life mm. for example you just didn't speak about your family in its entirety wow those parts of yourself or where you knew you had white family on the other side you just didn't speak about um and so there's a lot of brokenness mm. in it too. Um, one story that I can think of um, telling as an example is that where one of the families were classified as both white and colored, mm. um, the, the one family member had to visit his white family, the colored family member had to visit his white family as in secret. Mm. It could only happen at certain times of the day, probably at night. Sure. And take his family to them. And if anyone discovered them or anyone um, saw them mm. in a passerby way, um, they had to say that the kids of the fa of of the colored side of the family were not related to sure. them at all they would have to say that it was the maid's um children mm. Mm. so that they could protect yes and i think that is incredibly painful mm -hmm. and a painful part of of anyone's life and history yes um to know that you 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 can't be openly connected to what once was a together yes. family. Yeah. Um, you need to live your life in secret mm. or feel like you need to live your life in secret. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to put oneself in that situation where you can be forced with a decision yes. imposed upon you. Yes. Forced to choose whose family, who's close and who's far. Um, and you've used that language of a border and how the city was structured with definitive borders of yes. this this these people belong here and those people belong there mm. um and to have that that border put up inside your own nuclear family inside your own family of origin yeah. I, the these laws these evil laws that were put into place break relationship and and what i'm what i'm thinking is how even those laws are repealed post nine post 1990 onwards yeah. doesn't necessarily make all things right no 
you know, that was, it doesn't necessarily bring reconciliation. It doesn't necessarily bring a restoration of family. Yeah. And that's how many other families have been robbed of years of um, intimacy, family intimacy. Yeah. Um, it really strikes deep. Yes. Um, that it's more than a farm in series and talking about land, yeah. but echoes right down into today and how you relate to your family, yeah. um, your family of origin. Yeah. And I think, I don't know some of my family. Mm. I don't even know that they are family because of that. Um, after 1994, on my dad's side of the family, we had a massive family reunion. Mm. I'm too young to remember, but I do remember seeing... Um, cousins or second cousins and aunts and uncles who were white and had blue eyes and ginger mm. hair and but that was the only time sure. we connected as a family mm. and it was a celebration of you know divides being or divides coming together again yeah but we didn't know that family and i think since then those connections have been lost again. Yes. Um, and I don't think that it will ever be restored to potentially what it was before mm. um, before apartheid. Yes. Um, and that's difficult to know that you don't know, I think for me specifically, not to generalize, but for me specifically is that I could potentially have a lot more family mm than I think I do. Wow. But I I wouldn't know yeah. them. Yes. Or where they are, what they're doing. The the historical um link or the heritage links yes. are not there anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think it's something of the image of God put in human beings that we long for whole families yes. and, and whether we've experienced them or experienced broken family um, there's something inside of us that we we yearn for family yeah. um, a family of origin and in, in, in if you have children or want to have children into the future we, we long for that family yeah. connection and and so a sense of belonging yes a sense of, of this is who I am right yeah. it's a place it's it's a place to belong it's a yes. it's a, a community or a web of relationships where you have this and Yes. And so um, I want to go back to the, the farming series for a little sure. bit. Um, what's it like now? You mentioned that, that the Ebenezer farm, you, you, you can't locate the boundary lines. It's, no. it, it's, it's, it's not the same place that your great-grandparents were. That's not, you know, it's not visible or demarcated. So w what, what do you see, what do you feel when you go back to series? Yeah, I think, I mean, as you said, it's... It was one big farm that was then sold and land was sold and we don't know where the farm starts and where it ends mm. um, anymore. There's no placard that says this farm belonged to. Yes. For me, going into series holds absolutely no connection for me mm. in terms of an emotional connection, a mm. physical connection to actual series other than the fact that this is where part of my family sure. heritage is from. Mm. This is where part of my family history started. Yes. Um, and I think what it holds is a lot of what ifs 
in yes. a sense. What if we, my grand, great-grandparents weren't moved? Mm. What if my grandma stayed where she stayed? Mm. Would we be, for example, fruit farmers? Yes. <laughs> you know, living in series. Mm. I don't know. You're doing HR on the yeah, fruit farm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it holds a sense for me that there's an untold history and story mm. here um, and a story that will probably never be told sure. in its entirety mm. um, a sense of wondering yeah um, what could have been mm. Mm. Um, if things weren't the way they were yes. in, in our in our history mm. um, there's a connection to the people is mm -hmm. a connection to family, mm. but there's no connection to the place. Yes. Does that surprise you? For me, no. Mm. Because family is not where you are. Family is all the people who are surrounding you mm. no matter what. Yes. And each time I've ever moved it hasn't been about necessarily the place or the house that we're living in mm. but who we've gone there with Wow. Um, and that's always been my parents my sister yes when we moved to Deep River um, some of my other family moved with us and we all then ended up living in one yes. street mm. you know so it's not a surprise that yeah. the actual location series um, holds no connection for me. Gotcha. In terms of standing and being there. Yes, yes. Sure. And, and is there anything left of the farm? Any photographs, any items that were kind of passed on th yes. that uh, is part of the story that you can have, uh, can touch or feel? Yeah. So, um, my great grandfather, when they were relocated to Weinberg, um, he took a piece of a vine from the farm with him, and that vine was then planted in their home in Weinberg. Mm. And when my grandmother moved from Weinberg and married my grandfather, that was then um, planted in their backyard mm. in Belgravia. Mm. And that vine for me has such amazing, I have such warm, colorful memories of the vine in my grandparents' backyard. Yes. Um, it, the vine curled up and over trenches, mm. which then formed um, shading for us as kids playing in the yes. garden. It used to produce the most beautiful green sweet grapes yes. and we used to eat that yeah. and that's a part of our our history our heritage mm. um i have such fond memories of seeing that vine and to know that that came from a little part of our yes. our history yeah you know where it started mm. in series mm. um 
that's quite something yes you know um unfortunately um over time uh the my grandparents home my great my grandpa still lives in belgravia in the mm-hmm. same street that my dad was born wow. the same house that my dad was born in um unfortunately due to renovations and things like that the the vine no longer exists yes and so there is a great sense of loss um it was the last piece of history mm. um there were there were house fires along the way mm. of documentation photographs etc and so that vine um or a piece of that vine that had grown so much over the years was the last of a tangible physical piece of the history yes. of our family mm. um yeah wow and and what's what's so striking about this uh, the image of this vine yes is something that's passed on from generation to generation. I can imagine being an old vine with gnarled branches. And even given where it came from, it's bearing beautiful, tasty, sweet fruit. Um, Not only to benefit the family, but other people came to visit, sat under those those leaves and and enjoyed that. And there's there's something beautiful there. Uh, And the reality that it isn't there any longer, that sense of loss is just, it's quite striking. Um, The symbolism that that holds in your story and, and your history. Yes. Um, you've mentioned that this journey mm-hmm. uh, and your story, it's complicated, it's complex. Yes. Can you even see where the farm was? Can you even know all of the facts in your family history? Yeah. Um, how, what is it like talking about this? What has it been like for your family talking about yeah. this? Walk us through that a little bit. So, on again, complex, complicated. Um, on my mom's side of the family I don't know much about our family history and heritage um, because on, on her side of the family you we didn't talk about it mm. if I asked or ask questions the questions are either dismissed intentionally or unintentionally mm. or if you ask a direct question um it unfortunately can't be answered because when my mother was growing up you didn't talk about your family history and heritage wow. um, you didn't talk about where you were from um, because there was fear and shame linked yes. to it um, so much has had happened in our country mm. and due to that our family history and heritage was not passed on mm. for fear, for shame, whatever the reasons are, I'm not sure of. And I don't know if I'll ever know. Yes. Um, but on my dad's side, and my dad has been an integral part of helping me form the story around my history and heritage. Gotcha. He's been open. He asks he asked questions, mm. which meant that when I had questions, he had answers for me. Yes. Um, he would say to me, again, it's not clear. It's not factual always. Mm. We can't always prove the answer to the, the question I may have. 
Um, and so it's information that gets passed on from him to me. Mm. And so he's been wonderful in helping me form and create and document in a sense yes our family history and heritage um from one side mm. and i think without him i wouldn't know and also without his bravery of mm. or curiosity yes. about our family i wouldn't have the information that i have um, and so he in a sense for me started the process of keeping our story alive keeping yes. the family's history mm. alive um beautiful your dad is open to speaking about it yes and you're open to speaking about it even yes. to uh, a friend and colleague yeah. you know and outside of the confines of a living room over a cup of tea or coffee with your yeah. family you're willing to be talking about this and grapple with what you know and what you don't know and the impact it has on you yeah. What's your heart? Why do you? Why are you open to having this kind of conversation? I think when you talk about something, the narrative changes. Um, it no longer feels like a secret or a burden to carry. Sure. It doesn't feel shameful for me that there's so many different parts to my story. Mm that there's so many different ethnicities within yes. my family history for me being able to talk about it and talk about it openly mm. um i think gives the ability for other people to talk about their story yes. and be okay with yeah. their story um it it breaks down the walls it encourages mm openness and open conversation um and i think it also in a sense can encourage some robust conversation to happen yes. where people don't have to feel like they are being attacked or have to be defensive of what had happened yes um but to learn from one another and the experiences w that we've had growing mm. up mm pre and post 1994 mm. um, and to be okay with the fact that our stories are disjointed they are messy yes um, they're not necessarily they can't necessarily be factually proven mm. um, and to be okay with that yeah I think I am someone who even after our last conversation went on a bit of a fact Checking yes. journey mm. to see if I could find anything or, you know, research family names and made mm. sure that were origins correct. Yes. And I'm realizing more and more that that's less important than the fact that the story gets told mm. and that the information gets passed on. Yes. Um, and is out there for my kids to know. Mm. Mm. Um an important part of who you are is is that yes. you I think many people want to know where they come from mm. how their family was shaped and formed yes um, I certainly had those questions and I want to be able to even in that 
messiness and disjointedness of it to tell my kids about it yes in a way that is life-giving and mm. encouraging mm. um in a way that celebrates yes um and doesn't and not all the negative things mm. that mm. once were felt with it gotcha yeah sure you're mentioning you've got three beautiful young children. Yes. What do you want for them for the future? I I want them to live in the fullness of the diversity of our country. Mm. The diversity of where they live, um, which is Cape Town mm. at the moment. <laughs> and to embrace all culture and all yes. ethnicities, always. I want them to know that the color of the sk of their skin does not define who they are, mm. but rather who they choose to be and how they choose to live out. That's what defines them. Wow. And that was something that I had to grapple with yes. um, growing up as a child, um, even into my young adulthood. Mm. That my actions and what I did um, was far more important than the color of my skin wow. and where I lived. Mm. Sure. It's beautiful, Shane. Now, as a Christ follower, how has your faith helped you to process and respond to this and journey through this? Yeah, I think, so as I've mentioned before, Growing up, I've always felt uncomfortable in my skin. Mm. Um, I have felt displaced mm. in a sense. I have felt that I wasn't always sure of who I was. Mm. Um, because of the fact that my family history is so messy and so disjointed. And I'll keep saying that, but it's a, it's a key part to all of this. Yes. There are so many blank spots and unknown unknowns yes. to it that I will probably never know. Um, it was difficult for me to try and figure out, to, to feel confident in who I was mm. with so much that was unknown. Mm. Um, but when I met Christ and when I came into relationship with Jesus, it was like that completely dissolved for mm. me. It, it was almost as if my soul was settled wow. because of Jesus, because I knew that I was a child of God mm. and that there was so much, there is so much grace and love in that. No matter who you are, mm. or where you're from, what the color of your skin is, Jesus he loves you yes and you can hold that so tightly mm. and confidently that it changed i now feel confident wow in who i am i've got nothing to prove to anyone i don't have to speak a certain way to, to fit in or dress a certain way or live in a certain place mm. Because no matter where I'm placed, I'm there because that's where God wants me to be. Mm. 
And no matter where I am, I'm rooted in him. Yes. And in his and, and in community with him. Mm. And so Jesus changed everything mm. for me. Um, and the struggle of identity and where I'm from and where do I belong? Mm. Because I belong in I belong with Jesus. I belong with in his community. I belong wow. in hi- in the family that is the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful, the, the redemptive power and what Christ brings um, to people's lives, not just this eternal hope that one day I will yes. be in, in dwelling with him in heaven, but actually yeah. the real hope and the real sense uh, deep down yeah. um, and the everyday hope and the everyday belonging and purpose and identity that's found in yes. him. It's deeply profound. Shana, what, what would you say to people listening uh, who are kind of new to this conversation about yeah. land? Maybe it's unfamiliar, they're, they're easing their way in. Um, what would you recommend or say to them about how to approach this large and complex topic? I would say to, you know, have courage to ask the question mm. and have the boldness to answer it with grace and love. Mm. To just have the conversation, just mm. talk about it. When you have the conversation, it it opens everything up. Mm. People feel more comfortable. People feel in the in the way that you respond to their questions potentially or their story, mm. they start to feel more comfortable. I started to feel more comfortable with myself, mm. with my family history, the more I talked about it. Sure. Um when you talk about something, it it keeps it from being this deep, dark secret. Mm. You know, it brings things into the light. Yes. Um, it allows you to really navigate what is a complex mm. history of our country in a way that creates community, yes. that brings people closer together mm. um, and allows people to to really share openly mm. and not feel shame or yeah, to not feel shame about wherever it is that they come from. Yes. Um whether they know it know their full story mm. or don't. Yeah. Um so yeah, that would be the biggest thing is just talk. Mm. Talk but talk as openly as and authentically as you can. Yeah. Whenever you can. Mm. Um, yeah. That's great, Shane. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, really do appreciate you sharing your story with us, uh, taking the time and fact checking, as you said, and talking to family yeah. members, uh, and just your your grace towards us um, for being willing to to be vulnerable uh, and share your journey as it unfolds. That, that as yeah. you said in the beginning, this isn't the final destination. You, yeah. It's unraveling as you or unfolding as you have more and more conversations yeah. and explore. Uh, and for listeners, we encourage you, as, as Shanae says, ask people questions, people um, that you have a good enough relationship where they could say no to sharing their family story. Um, as we've heard the complexity around this, some people are ready to share their stories and some people are not ready. Uh, and uh, so if you're developing a curiosity for 
uh, friends and neighbors, uh, colleagues, someone you, you commune with in church, uh, be willing to ask questions and be willing for people to say no to answering them as they process this uh, part of their history and their heritage. Uh, but more than anything, we encourage you to explore, learn, uh, and open up your heart to the, the stories of people around you. Uh, I've been deeply challenged as I've been listening to Shana and her story and how, how much heritage she, I just simply just didn't know because I hadn't asked the question. Uh, and so I'm grateful for her story. Thank you, Shana. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's our real pleasure. And uh, to listeners, God bless and see you soon. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za, including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content, and volunteer opportunities. Bye for now.